Specialty Stories, session number 67. Whether you are a pre-med or a medical student, you've answered the calling to become a physician. Soon you'll have to start deciding what type of medicine you'll want to practice. This podcast will tell you the stories of specialists from every field to give you the information you need to make sure you make the most informed decision possible when it comes to choosing your specialty. Welcome to Specialty Stories. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, your host here every week. Now, if you're a pre-med student, you should definitely be checking out the pre-med years, which is my oldest running and biggest podcast covering test prep, covering applications, essay writing, personal statement writing, covering interview prep, and so much more. Go check that out at premedyears.com. If you're a medical student, you should be telling all your pre-med friends to go check out the pre-med years. This week, I'm excited to talk to an academic emergency medicine physician who actually has a, a subspecialty in wilderness medicine. Now, we don't go into a bunch of wilderness medicine because it's really not that big of a practice to talk about in its own specialty stories, but we do talk about it a little bit. But we do talk about academic emergency medicine and why this physician chose academic emergency medicine. Now, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, or even if you're new, if you go back to session two, we covered emergency medicine from a community perspective. And in that podcast, we had Dr. Fries on, talking about community-based emergency medicine. This week, we have Dr. Reno on, Dr. Elaine Reno, talking about academic emergency medicine, why she chose emergency medicine, why she chose academic emergency medicine, and much, much more. Elaine, when did you realize that emergency medicine was what you wanted to do with your life? So when I was a third-year student, um, I did all the, like, rotations and I just liked all of them and at the end of the day the two things that interest me the most were um, EM and actually OBGYN and I I think they're actually like pretty similar it's 90% routine and 10% you know acute crisis Um, and then 90% routine and then 10% you know acute crisis and you know hitting the fan for lack of a better word and um, and I was drawn to both and I was I like went back and forth um, and fundamentally I realized one, I, you know, OBGYN, they primarily see adult women um, and I didn't want to stop seeing children. Um, and I, I liked sort of the variety of emergency medicine and I also don't like the operating room very much. And so I thought even if I end up doing primarily like labor and delivery, I, I still have to do the gynecology training. So you mentioned the 90%, 10%. I think a lot of students who, think about emergency medicine, think about the just pure gener- uh, adrenaline rush all the time, gunshot wounds, stab wounds, all of this. How much of that is your day? I mean, the, you know, there's usually like a couple real sick patients every day that it's sort of the adrenaline rush, like the they're not, they're real sick and you're dealing with that. But a lot of emergency medicine is, you know, most chest pain is not heart attacks. Like most car accidents, um, the people are fine. Um, most, you know, weakness or tingly sensation is not a stroke, which is good, right? Because we don't want everyone to be sick and dying all the time. But a lot of my day is much more routine, I think, than most people think. 
What do you think makes, like what traits make a good emergency medicine doc? So um, I think the first thing is humility. Like, so you um, in the hospital, you know, you're, you're always going to need help. You're always going to need to talk to your specialty consultants. Um, and they're always going to have, you know, a, um, they're going to have more information about like a specific disease if they're a subspecialist. And so you have to be a good communicator. You have to be able to work um, with your specialty consultants. You also, emergency medicine is like an extreme team sport. I think honestly more than any other medical specialty. Um, and so you, you have to be able to work in a team with nurses, with the techs, um, with radiology. It's just very much a team team game and you have to be able to do that and do that well. Why do you think it's more than other specialties? Uh, you know, like when you're on inpatient medicine wards, I feel like you rounded and then you placed orders. Um, and, it, it, you know, you sat in one area and the nurses like sat at the nurses station. It, it's not really like that in emergency medicine. Like you're, you know, in a room with a critical patient and everyone sort of has a different role. And your your job as the attending is to sort of make sure everyone's like, um, you know, like able to do their role and then taking all the facts you get from everyone, like the information the nurse is giving you and the information the patient's giving you and the information, you know, respiratory is giving you and put it all together and try and sort of come up with what's going on with this patient and how you want to manage them. And it, it, it's just much more like a, I say like we're much more in the trenches um, with the nurses and um, with the techs and on a day-to-day basis. On a, a day-to-day basis, what sorts of patients are you typically treating in emergency room? So, uh, you know, we see everything, like anything and everything can walk in the front door. Um, I, I think the common things we see are sort of more common chief complaints, right? Like we, it's been flu season, so we've seen a ton of the flu. We've seen a ton of respiratory illness, you know, the chest pain, um, abdominal pain, um, you know, headaches, that's kind of like the bread and butter of emergency medicine. And it's your people come in with symptoms rather than diseases. And it's your job to figure out what's going on and um, what you need to do to manage it. Describe a typical week. So my schedule varies every single week, which some people would hate that. I, I really like the variety. So like, you know, if at Tuesday at noon, I'm like taking a nap, that that's totally okay. Because maybe last night I worked an overnight you know, I worked Monday, 11 p. to 7 a.m. Um, so every week the schedule is different. And I like that a lot um, because I, I just like variety. Um, some people will probably hate that. And then what comes into the ER, you know, my job as an ER doc is like to, ma- to like, I say it's like to man the, man the doors of the emergency room. And so for the next, you know, eight hours, I'm the person who's standing there in front of those doors dealing with everything that rolls in, whatever it is, whether it's a stub two, whether it's a heart attack, whether it's a stabbing, whether it's a shooting. Um, and every day, you know, we get a variety from chest pain, from heart attacks, from, you know, strokes, from trauma patients to, you know, cancer patients with infections to, you know, patients having miscarriages to patients who, you know, need a little bit of a workup and are absolutely fine to, you know, broken bones. It, it just, there's just an extreme variety on a day-to-day basis. 
Now, you work in an academic setting. What was the decision algorithm for you to choose academics over a community-based or private practice-based emergency medicine position? Yeah, so most of my friends went into private practice. For me, um, you know, academic had lots of draws, um, some of it being uh, the teaching aspect of it. So I like working with the residents. Um, I teach a class for undergraduate students. And I liked teaching the course. Um, I, I just liked the sort of um, academic flavor. Like there's constant ongoing learning um, every single day. I feel like it challenges me every day to learn more and to be a better doctor. You know, the residents are wicked smart um, and, and they know lots. And, you know, if you don't keep up, like, mm-hmm. um, uh, they're going to keep you on your toes. And so I just liked the environment of, you know, learning and education that comes with academics. Um, and so that's what I knew and that's what I stuck with. Now, you mentioned the operating room earlier. You were talking about OBGYN and operating and you weren't really sure you liked the operating room. But having that kind of in the back of your mind, it makes me assume that you liked a lot of the procedure aspect of it. For somebody who is thinking about emergency medicine but doesn't like procedures, maybe isn't confident in their ability with them or just doesn't like them, is emergency medicine a good fit for somebody like that? So I think it depends on the, um, so we definitely do a lot of procedures, um, but we're not, you know, we're not like surgeons. We're more like intensive intensivists in the level of procedures we do, you know, so like gastroenterologists, cardiologists, these people do much more procedures than us. Um, you know, family medicine docs probably do less. It, um, we're certainly not surgeons, um, but we do, you know, central lines and arterial lines and, um, occasionally t- chest tubes and we do things like intubation. I think if you really liked the flavor of emergency medicine um, but didn't like the big procedures, you could do something like urgent care, although you're still going to be doing things like suturing and splinting. But um, th- there'd be an avenue for that, although if you just hated procedures, this is probably not the specialty for you. What does call look like as a EM doc? Yeah, so that is lovely. So um, we have sick call, which just means a couple times a year if someone is sick, like there's someone to cover their shift. But other than that, when I leave the hospital, like I don't have my a pager. I don't have a cell phone with me. Like, you know, if I'm on shift, I'm on shift. But if I'm not, not on shift, like I, I'm, you know what I mean? I No one calls me to ask me about patient care duty. So I like that aspect of it a lot. What is what does the shifts look like? So I, I've talked to some emergency medicine docs that that say, "Oh, it's this number of shifts is full time." What does that look like for you in an academic setting? So um, it is different for every um, doc in every clinical practice. Um, you know, we um, we work a certain number of shifts based on like you know whether we're full time um, and what our clinical buy-down is to do other things, right? So we get what's called clinical buy-down. So you get less, you work less shifts to do other things. So if you're doing research, for me, it's education um, that I get clinical buy-down from. But if you're doing research or things like that, you can work less clinical shifts um, to have time to do that. And that's a huge perk of emergency medicine, but specifically academic emergency medicine. If you're, if you have like research interests and you want to do lots of research, but you still want to be a clinician, um, you know, you just work less clinical shifts. And so I think that's, um, it's much more like 
choose your own adventure, I guess, then, um, and it's much more amendable than that because you don't have a patient population, um, like a primary care doctor that you have to see in clinic, um, things like that. So, Do you feel like, so this is a two-part question, do you feel like you have enough time for family life outside of the hospital? And because you mentioned the shift work and the variability, uh, do you feel like the time that you do have outside of the hospital is quality time? So I think that's a great question. So um, I just had a baby. Uh, he's nine months old now. And so when I got pregnant, I was forced to step back a little bit because the um, pregnancy was just really difficult. And then I feel like I have enough time with him on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, and I do some things like, you know, I spend a bunch of time in the office on Tuesday and then I work a clinical shift. So I'll, I'll have like a whole day where I, I don't see him and he's um, not with me, but then I have the next day off on Wednesdays to just spend time with him. And so I do feel like it's actually very conducive towards a family life. Um, you have to be creative about how you make it work. Um, but I definitely think specifically emergency medicine is very conducive towards a family life. And if you felt like you were working too much and didn't have enough time with family, like it's possible to step down, like not to work full time, you know, to work part time, um, especially in this specialty. And then in terms of quality time, I think it's about just making quality time. So as an ED doc, like I will always work nights. I will always work weekends. I will always work holidays. Like someone has to be in the ER on Christmas and on Thanksgiving and on New Year's. And um, that will be a part of my job for the rest of my life, um, which I'm okay with it. So the time when I'm with my family, you know, we try and like turn off our phones and prioritize being together and you know, sometimes we celebrate Christmas on Christmas Eve, and sometimes we celebrate Thanksgiving um, on, you know, the day after. And and sometimes I'm at work, and, you know, I celebrate Thanksgiving with my work family. So, mm. but it's just, there's upsides and downsides. So, yeah. What does the residency path look like to become an academic EM doc? So the emergency medicine is a three or four year residency, depending on where you go. Most of them are becoming four year residencies. Um, and most people who go into academics usually go to a four year residency, although, you know, there's no, there's no like hard and fast rules. Um, and so the first year is usually, you know, you rotate through a bunch of different specialties. Um, you're like learning a little bit of everything. And then you start to spend more and more time in the emergency room. Um, as you progress through your residency training. How competitive is emergency medicine? So it's getting more and more competitive, I think, because it's um, it's conducive towards, you know, having like a good quality of life and having other interests. Um, and so every year it seems like it gets more and more competitive. So we'll see where it kind of falls out. Yeah. What what should a student, you've you've been involved in, in the admissions side of things for the emergency medicine residency, what should a med student be doing to be competitive to, to match into emergency medicine? It's kind of the, the whole package. I think probably the whole package more in EM maybe than in other specialties. But so obviously we want students to have good grades, right? We want, you want to be getting good grades. Um, this is one, a specialty where I feel like you, you know, how you work clinically um, is really important. So, you know, you really want to excel in your clerkships. Um, you really want to do well, not just like in one um, 
the one subspecialty you want to go into, but in all of your clerkships you want to do well. And then I think we tend to look for well-rounded people. Um, uh, so, you know, we look at your extracurriculars, we look at your research, we look at your letters of recommendation, um, things like that. How much bias do you see towards DOs who want to go into emergency medicine? So that's an interesting question, and you probably know more about this than I do, but I think the DOMD match is like becoming one soon, mm -hmm. which I think is the right call. So I work with DOs. Um, I, uh, you know, there are DOs in my practice with me. We have DOs that are residents. Um, I think there used to be a greater bias. I think it's slowly fading away. You know, a DO is still like an American medical school. Mm -hmm. um, and if the match merges, you know, I think that's the right way moving forward. I think there'll still be some inherent bias um, at some places, but I don't feel like that's really a big thing where I'm at um, or in our residency program. Once you finish your re residency training in emergency medicine, are there any opportunities to subspecialize as an EM doc? Yeah, so there's there's fellowships in emergency medicine, um, and there's a bunch of them. So you can do toxicology, you can do um, global health, you can do admin, you can do education, um, you can do ultrasound. I did wilderness medicine with a little flair of global health, um, and so the ability to to pick a fellowship is sort of depending on if you want to do it. Most people do not, um, which is fine too. So. The let's talk about that for a second because fellowship training to me it's like if you're an uh, uh, an internist and you go on to do fellowship training in in GI or whatever you're going to see GI patients all day long, but as an as an EM doc y you don't know what's coming in and you don't have a clinic for patients to come in. So what's the what's the goal of a student or a, a resident at that point to go and do fellowship training? So it depends on what fellowship you do. So a lot of people do fellowships and end up in academics. So like if you do an education fellow fellowship, you end up, you know, doing education work, like whether that's residency director or working with medical students. Um, toxicology is they take um, their boards in toxicology and then they tend to be a consult service. And so um, like we have the Rocky Mountain Poison Center and they, they staff the poison center and then, mm you know, for patients who overdose or, um, you know, whatnot, they're a consult service. And actually they consult um, all over the hospital and often in the intensive care units. Um, with my fellowship, um, I did a diploma in tropical medicine and hygiene um, through the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. And so um, afterwards, I worked, I worked part-time in a travel clinic. I do like um, pre-travel advice and coordination. It's like a family travel clinic. It's me and a pediatric infectious disease doc. I'm going to work together to kind of provide care for the whole family. Um, and so that is one thing that um, I do with my fellowship. Most people who do a fellowship, it, it gives them, it's like they're an ED doc and then it gives them something else, right? So instead of, you know, having your 14 shifts a month in the emergency department, you're doing X number of shifts plus you're, you know, you're doing tox consults or, you know, I'm doing travel medicine. So um, it, it just gives you sort of something else to kind of branch out. 
What do you wish you knew the primary care docs, the future primary care docs that are listening? What do you wish they knew about your job in the emergency department and, and emergency medicine in general to help their future patients? So I'd say that probably the most important thing, um, if you want to send a patient to the emergency room, um, is communication. So, you know, we don't always know why you send patients in um, and what kind of what your thought process is. And so we always have a, we have what's called the doc line. So anyone, any doc can call in and talk to a doc on call in the emergency room or on staff in the emergency room and talk about why you're sending the patient in and kind of what you want done. I think the most important thing is coordination. So, and it goes both ways, right? Like if you want to send someone into us, um, call and let us know kind of what, what you're thinking and, and then provide contact information. And we can talk to you about, you know, we did this workup and here's what we were thinking. And, um, and uh, here's what we found because a lot of times emergency medicine is like, you know, it's a stop point in time. Like you're, I'm treating the acute exacerbation of your COPD I'm treating your, um, you know, your diabetes when you end up in um, diabetic ketoacidosis, and, but I'm not going to be managing this long term. And so I think it's, you know, the, the best thing is sort of cross-specialty communication like that, and that provides the best care for the patient. And I often say to patients, you know, look, you have belly pain. Here's the testing I did. I don't think it's appendicitis. I don't think it's your gallbladder, but I want you to continue the workup with your primary care doctor. And so um, we often send patients out to say, follow up with your PCP and, you know, continue um, the ongoing testing. Yeah. And if things get worse, come back and see us. <laughs> yeah. If things get worse, we're always here. <laughs> yeah. What uh, other specialties, if any, do you work the closest with? So we work um, very closely with trauma um, because under certain criteria, the the trauma team comes down to the emergency room for like, depending on what the trauma is. So I, I feel like that's one we work closely with. We work closely with um, cardiology. Uh, um, I think we work we work closely actually with a lot of specialties really. Um, probably the intensive care units because, you know, you're like transitioning critical patients from the emergency department to the ICU. So. What special opportunities are there outside of clinical practice, clinical medicine is there for EM docs? There's education. Um, people do education work. There's research. There's ED docs that, you know, are full-time researchers. Um, and, you know, like one doc I can think of, I think they only work four clinical shifts a month in the emergency room and they do the rest of the time doing research. You can do um, administrative work um, at kind of whatever level you want. I'm trying to think what else. Oh, there's um, ED docs are often emergency uh, EMS director. So you manage an EMS system and you're the medical director for an, e for an EMS system. So like an ambulance group. So I feel like it's pretty, it's pretty variable depending on what your interests are. What do you know now that you wish you knew before going into it? Uh, I think I wish I knew how much it would affect my sleep. <laughs> like the, the rotating schedules are brutal on your circadian rhythm. Yeah. And, I would have still picked it, but um, I don't know what I would have done differently. Maybe I would have started taking melatonin earlier. With, so. with data that we have that shows that shift workers aren't the healthiest and they have increased risks of different 
condition and diseases. How does that play into your advice or your your love of your love of the specialty and your advice for others to go into it? I just try and ignore that data that says I'm going to be less <laughs> healthy because of my job. Does that count? Yeah, that that counts. Data only counts if you read it. Yeah, if you just if you just like put your fingers in your ears and go la 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 la, <laughs> then it has no application in your life. Yep. Okay. <laughs> what uh, what do you like the most about being an emergency medicine doc? I think I like the variety. It's just like it's always different. It's always something new. Like if I was a nine to five. Um, in the clinic, I think, I don't know, I feel like maybe I would get bored. It, I, I just like the variety. What do you like the least? Um, I The least I like the circadian rhythm disruption. Mm. Do you see any major changes coming to the field of emergency medicine that are important for somebody who may be interested in it in the future to know? I think with the, and I'm not like in any way a Medicaid or Medicare expert, but I think um, there's, there, there's a greater and greater, um, goal of keeping patients out of the hospital and figuring out, like, do you really need to be admitted to the hospital? Um, and so we try and kind of work with all of our resources. Like we have social workers, we have physical therapists, um, we have mental health counselors, like all these different resources in the emergency room trying to see, and uh, we have case managers, um, what we can do to, um, you know, like keep patients at home and keep them at home safely. So I, I think that's like a growing field. Like the example I, I use is my grandma said when she had her baby, she was in the hospital for like 10 days. I had a C-section and I was in the hospital for two days, mm. you know, or the the push to like keep patients out of the hospital and w away from hospital born illnesses and away from the complications that come with hospitalization is definitely there. Um, and so figuring out what we can manage at home um, versus what really has to be admitted is, is sort of an ever-moving target. Uh, I had a conversation previously with a community-based emergency medicine doc, and we got into an interesting discussion about emergency room utilization for things that aren't emergencies and how there's possibly a discussion out there w that... Uh, some emergency rooms, some EM docs think maybe we should just take on kind of the that primary point of contact for people who are ill instead of calling and trying to get a same day appointment with their um, their primary care provider. Just going to the emergency room and and dealing with that and knowing, hey, it's not an emergency, but we're here for you anyway. Is that sort of discussion going on in the academic world at all? There's a governing body, the American College of Emergency Physicians, and one thing they're protesting against right now is there's, um, it's Anthem, I think, Blue Cross Blue Shield, who um, is in some states now is using discharge diagnosis to deny payment. So if your discharge diagnosis from the ER they feel is not an acute life-threatening emergency, then they'll mm. um, deny payment. And I'm in no way an expert in this, but that's something ASAP is really advocating against. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, because it's just really unfair. Like, how do you know if your chest pain is a pulled muscle versus a heart attack until you come in and get it checked out? Yeah. Um, and it's unfair if it turns out to be a pulled muscle that they your insurance won't pay the bill. And if it's unfair, if it turns out to be a heart attack and you were worried that your insurance wouldn't pay the bill and you'd lose your house. So you sat at home having a heart attack. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think, like, 
in an ideal situation, everyone has a great primary care doctor that they can trust um, and that, you know, they can, they can call and um, get access to like continuity of care. It, you know, people come in all the time for things that are um, urgent, but maybe not emergent. And it, it just, I guess it just doesn't, it doesn't bother me. Like that's what we're there for. You know, if um, I tell people like an emergency is different for everyone, um, you know, some things are an emergency for everyone, like your big heart attack, but maybe you're on vacation and you've been saving for this vacation for like 20 years and your kid comes down with strep throat, right? Like this is an emergency to you and you're not going to wait, you know, two weeks to get it checked out. So, yeah, that makes sense. If you had to do it all over again, would you still be an EM doc? Yeah, I love my day-to-day job. I, I think it's tons of fun. I would definitely do it. I would just, you know, in med school, I'd focus more on wellness. So, For the pre-med student, med student listening to this now, what last words of wisdom do you have for them so they can start exploring this and see if it's right for them? I think medicine is a, is a great pr- profession. It is a ton of fun, um, but it has to be what you want to do. So at 2 a.m. on Christmas morning, the person answering the pager is going to be you. So so make sure it's what you want, right? Like, you know, make sure it's not familial pressure or friend pressure or, you know, spouse or significant other pressure. Like, at the end of the day, you're the one doing this. So make sure you're pursuing something that you want to do. And if you don't know or you're not ready yet, then just don't apply. Like, take a year off, travel, work. There medicine is a marathon and it is like the longest marathon. It is not a sprint. It doesn't matter if you start med school when you're 22 or 25. It doesn't matter if you're a cocktail waitress for a while and they're like, make sure it's what you want to do um, and make sure you take the time to make sure it's what you want to do. So that doesn't matter if you take a year or two off to decide or five years off, like um, make sure it's the right choice. All right. There you have it. Again, that was Dr. Elaine Reno academic emergency medicine physician here in the Colorado area, in the Denver area at the University of Colorado, where I happen to be a faculty member as well. So if you're interested in emergency medicine, now you have the comparison between academic emergency medicine, which is this episode, and session two, where we talked to a community-based emergency medicine physician. Now, hopefully those two discussions will help you understand some of those differences, some of the similarities, etc. If you have a suggestion for a person, a physician you would like or you think would be a good guest here on the podcast, shoot me an email, ryan at medicalschoolhq.net. Ask your friend, your father, your your sister, your brother, uh, your mother, if they are a physician, if they want to be on this podcast, ask them to be on. Shoot me an email with their contact information and we'll try to get that scheduled. Hope you have a great week, and I hope to see you here next week for another episode of Specialty Stories.